Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I am Jordan Eggleston on Twitter at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast First recording in the month of October because we have now exhausted all of the days and football games in the month of September. The season is moving on pretty quickly and way too fast. Yep, way too fast. Thing happens every single year. Um, so we'll go ahead and jump right into this. Seven big games this weekend. Two teams were idle: Ohio State and Wisconsin. Uh, all games were on Saturday, September thirtieth. Two things I just want to point it out here real quick. Um, if you take out the Iowa-Michigan State game, I think I might be the only one that finds this interesting, <laughs> but I'm going to throw it out anyways. If you take out the Iowa-Michigan State game, okay, the average score in the other Big Ten contests was the winning team 44, the losing team 14, with four of these games being almost the exact score of that 44 to 14 what I gave you we kind of talked on the last podcast about how this would be like figure out who these teams were Saturday I I think we got some definitive answers here is that fair enough I, th- I think you'll find a common theme with what I'm about to talk about here I learned a lot about the majority of this conference I I think at this point and obviously there's going to be some things that change and yep. some opinions will change but at this point I think we have a very good handle on Who's the top four or five? Who's yes. the middle four or five? Who's the bottom four or five? Like, I think we have this all. It's starting to take shape, and it's starting to make a whole lot of sense. I agree, and we'll obviously touch on that even more at the power rankings at the end. I might have some additional thoughts with that. I'll be interested, very interested on what your take is with that. And then the last thing I want to point out, just stupid, but like, I don't know if you've noticed it since you got the old school, you know, old dead heart, like Kurt and I as well. Um <laughs> I see a habitual cases of people's mouthpieces being out as the the ball is snapped and the play is being played. If you haven't noticed it yet, pay attention. I swear it's happening all the time. Uh, yeah, it's. I actually think it's worse than the NFL even. Really? Surprisingly, like it's crazy how much you see it now. There's dudes that have it plugged right in the top of their helmet. Like these helmets have the vents yep. now. Yep. That's plugged right in there, and some of them they don't even cut the strap off it, so it's like a giant fucking antenna. Yeah. Antenna just hanging up there. <laughs> so we, you know, back in my day, you know, like the late '90s, um, the only mouthpiece we had was the tiny, you know, uh, prescribed mouthpiece that they had. Like they always had, they had like three or four ready to go in case you had lost your mouthpiece or whatever like that. So it didn't have the floppy, you know, molded one that attached to the front of your helmet. Those have somehow come back into vogue. So they're attached to their front of their face mask and they're just sitting there loose and dangling all the time. I mean, that's the whole thing we were told is that, yeah, the mouthpiece in because of concussions, right? When your teeth slam together. So I don't know what's going on here. You would think people would start. Well, they have all these new great targeting rules. You don't have to worry about concussions anymore, Uh, right? uh, So at least put the mouthpiece in. Ridiculous. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and start breaking down these games. First game up, Penn State 41, Northwestern 13. I had 40 to 10. Darn close there. The Nittany Lions with 353 yards of total offense to the Wildcats, 175 as my buddy, the GOAT follower, uh, likes to point out, that was a dirty, dirty dub uh, for gamblers that had Penn State minus 26.5 to 28, depending on where you got it. Um, uh, our, our guy, James Franklin, knowing what the line is and going for shots to get that thing You open, can't convince me it wasn't intentional. <laughs> you no chance. And I want to say, I support it. Not just because I had Penn State covering, but because he had the backups in. They want to score touchdowns too. I swear, I yeah. have nothing against it. But but it's also I mean, not those crazy players for us have got to get the experience too. Like they, those guys have got to get the reps. I mean, you're you're on scholarship. Stop them. But you're on scholarship. Yeah, that, you can't convince me that line oh, yeah. wasn't being thought about. At some oh yeah, point. absolutely. All right, what's some thoughts on the game? My initial thought was, boy, did we have this thing pegged from the get-go. Like, we said, this environment, sleepy, and that's exactly what this came out. Penn State was literally 
sleepwalking through the first half of this game. And credit to Northwestern. Yes. They were fighting their ass off. That defense was playing well. They had Drew Aller kind of like – he almost looked flustered Agreed. at points in that first half. Like, he wasn't himself. He yes. he seemed like he was getting rid of the ball too early, and then he was off target. So that you got to give credit to Northwestern for that. But I think we nailed this right on the head. They were sleepy, just a – just an odd first half of a game. Yeah. Um, to the a theme, I believe, as we break down this podcast, is two things can be true at once. Okay. The two things that are true at once in this game is that Northwestern deserves credit and that Northwestern that Northwestern staff is getting as much as it possibly can out of this roster, these Wildcats. However, this was a not really focused Penn State team to again to go from a whiteout Happy Valley home night game to really anywhere you're going to have a letdown. But going to, to Evanston, you know, at the early we we saw it. Um, I all I said essentially three of the outcomes resulted in Penn State covering the spread. The first outcome was just Penn State comes out blazing and they kill them. Didn't get that. Uh, the third, the uh, outcome that wouldn't cover would be, uh, you know, Penn State just never really wakes up and barely wins the game. The the other outcome, the one in kind of the middle, is Penn State comes out sleepy and covers in the end. That's obviously the one that we got. Drew Aller, eighteen of thirty three, hundred eighty nine yards, a touchdown, no picks. Not a great stat line, but he still hasn't turned the ball over. Penn State now has turned the ball over, starting literally the first play of the game on the opening kickoff, giving the ball to Northwestern. They wind up going backwards and kicking a field goal. And now's as good a time as any to say Northwestern wound up with some decent team stats, you know, 175 yards. I say decent loosely there. Right, I think it was right at the end of the third quarter, maybe even into the fourth quarter. They didn't even have 80 yards of total yeah. offense at home. Like Penn state fans are having consternation way too much than they should. They should understand that yeah, they're being kind of, even our guy, Jake and perk, they've made fun of, you know, their own fan base to, to a certain degree, not, not completely with us. Um, this was bring your defense. When you go on the road, Penn state definitely brought their defense in this game. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I was a little too holistic in that. Like the, the Penn state defense really wasn't, Super sleepy. I mean, they got put in a bad spot right away and helped. I mean, I think it was a negative three yards after that fumble. Yep. So more of the sleepiness was the Penn State offense. That offense. defense, that defense more and more every week is showing me they are legit. They are nasty. And yep. they are going to keep this Penn State team all the way in it down to that last game of the season with a shot at the Big Ten title. That defense is nasty all the way around. Some stats to uh, support that, uh, the Wildcats, 32 carries for 45 yards. That's a 1.4-yard average. Ben Bryant, 14 of 25, 122 yards, gets knocked out of the game. Don't know the severity yet. Brendan Sullivan comes in and throws one of the most entertaining interceptions I have maybe ever seen. I I don't know what that was because know. he had 10 yards of – real estate minimum in front of him that he could have to, run to either run or just throw it out of bounds, which maybe I thought and he, threw he it was right doing. into the chest. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, yeah, that, that was, so anybody gambling that was, degenerate, you might have a yes. thought on the line there too. Maybe well, that's there another needs one. to be a phone call to Evanston. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he, he threw that wanting Penn state to cover guy. Okay, I just want to be clear, but that's where conspiracy <laughs> theories come from. But uh, team rushing for Penn State, not not fantastic. Uh, 39 carries, 134 yards. That's the one thing that Penn State fans are extremely concerned about where there is some validation. It 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 just, for whatever reason, sophomore slumpy situations with the, the running backs, the old line with injuries is, would be more of my guess. It's not as overpowering of a rushing attack as you'd want to see for a you know team that's got big you know uh, uh, plans on what they can do in the future. Well, and didn't didn't Katron Allen get nicked up in this game? Yes, I think he that's left right. the Thanks game. For pointing that out, yeah, that's scary, dude. So that, the I mean, of that. yeah, that's a that's a concerning thing because you know we always talk about wanting your pair and your spare, and the spare in this game yes. actually stepped up well with you know Trey Potts, the Minnesota transfer, yep. came in. I mean, he only had three carries, but nice long touchdown run there, the thirteen yard run. So and got good a touchdown the catch, touchdown catch too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yep, I forgot yep. about that. Yep. yep. So good to see the spare stepped up, correct, and helped out, but. 
But you, I think if you're Penn State, you want all three of them healthy for this because the back end of the schedule, just like with the other two in the top three here, it gets loaded. There's yep. some tough games coming for Penn State down the stretch, and you want all your weapons available for that. And, and I, I'll say this too. I'm a Michigan fan who has to play them. I want them healthy too. You don't want to see these players hurt. You want these yep. teams full strength because that's the best football we're going to get that way. And Katron Allen is the type that even if there's only two yards available, he still gets you four because he's so physical. With that being said, um, some would say Penn State fans, Penn State has already had two idle weeks in a row. They have an actual idle week and then they play UConn or UMass. I always get the two confused. So it's you would UMass. Hope, UMass. Okay. So you would hope Katron Allen has enough time to get back. Yeah. He's not with, playing that game if you ask me. No, no. He's like, going to have no a two, three week break. With the win, Penn State moves to 5-0 and with the loss. Northwestern drops to an encouraging 2-3. and Next game up was our other early game. Minnesota 35, Louisiana 24. I had 34-24 as my prediction. As close as that can as uh, is to being correct, I don't get the win ATS because this pushed against the spread. Within the I had 31-21, so I was right there, too. Right I was in the ballpark. Gophers with 347 yards of total offense to the feisty Raging Cajuns, 349. We said there would be points on the board. We both took the over. We were both correct here. Uh, the comments by the Big Ten Network crew and some of the people that you know really tuned into this game, this was not a pushover G5 team. This is a good team. This is a pretty darn good team. And I'm not going to say it's a big win or, you know, or something like that. I will say this, had they lost the game, that would have been a season defining cancel Christmas type of loss. Minnesota deserves credit for coming out of this game with a win. Yeah. You could have seen a little bit of quit factor come into play had they lost this game. You know, you that if you're three and two now, but you lose that game, now you're sitting two and three. You got the big games in the West coming up. You could you could see this team kind of start to turtle a little bit and start quitting on on uh Peach. So good to see they got this win because you're right. This Raging Cajun team, I mean they came out and punched him in the mouth right away early. And Minnesota just kind of stayed the course. I mean we know by now they're gonna run the football. Right. So, yep. You know, no Darius Taylor, but Zach Evans, 17 touches. Bryce Williams, or 15 touches. Bryce Williams, 15 touches. Sean Tyler, 10 touches. Kelly right. Manis ran it 10 times. They're going to run the football. That's, yep. we are, we are figuring that out and there's no more questions about it. So they have their offensive identity. The question becomes, can that defense get back to what we saw early in the year? Because they have really, I mean, I was the guy that apologized to Joe Rossi early in the year. For doubting his defenses, I'm starting to doubt him again yeah. because now it doesn't seem like they can put anything consistently together, and the test doesn't get any easier next week. Yeah, and I think the stats bore that out. 27 carries for 177 yards for the Raging Cajuns. That's a 6.6 yard average against that Minnesota defense. Now, a little bit misleading because a lot of it was quarterback keepers. Quarterback Zeon Chris, what a great, great name! name. Oh, great name! Oh, especially for a Playmaking quarterback, Zeon Chris, 10 carries, 74 yards. If my math is correct, I believe that's a 7.4-yard average. They, I, they, I can even do that. that. That's that's the type of math I like. Um, uh, so great, great uh, uh, game by him. Not so much throwing the ball. They struggled to throw the ball uh, when they needed him to make a play in the passing game. He picked it off. Um, so not a great I, – I don't know – I. I'm I'm weirded out by this defense. I don't know if there's much we're going to get figured out talking about it right now. Like we still have some Joe uh, Joe Rossi trust, but at the same time, this is three weeks in a row now where there's either you know it's like it sputters and goes all over the place. Offense, defense, we've expected that every now and then from the offense, but to see two three quarters at a time, multiple drives in a row by Minnesota's defense looking good. I don't know what to say. Um, switching it to the other side, Zach Evans is off of the melt, back of the melt carton. So Gopher fans happy to see that. Gopher fans are really happy about that. That's and, all we and heard a, about was where's Zach Evans? Right, and apparently it's not doghouse. It was injury stuff, which is weird. Then it's like, Pete, just say that. Say he's dealing with an injury. I don't. That's the stuff he does that I think drives even Minnesota. That fans could be crazy. a situation where was he really dealing with injuries and are now PJ's just using that as why now because he came out and looked good. Had he come out and been a turd sandwich, he might have just said, see, this is why he wasn't playing. 
I had some of those same thoughts myself, uh, but 15 carries, 85 yards and a touchdown for Zach Evans. Team rushing, not the highest average, 3.9, but 201 yards on 51 carries because they're just going to keep going at it. Daniel Jackson, good day. Efficient from Ethan Kallik, man, is 12 yep. of 14, 146 yards, two touchdowns, had the one pick. Overall, these were the stats and game plan. Minnesota to need it, and, and you already said it. I'm going to say it again. Sticking to the game plan and doing what we do and getting the win is a bigger deal than people probably will pay attention to. Well, I mean, Kelly at Manis, the 12 of 14 for 146, that's exactly what a exactly. PJ Fleck offense needs. Yes. You got to get rid of the pick. That's the thing that an offense like this can't afford. When you're playing a high run offense that's low possession, and what you can't afford to do in a low possession game is to give the other team extra possessions especially when your defense is already very streaky at best right now you need to limit those mistakes so if he could be 13 of 14 or right. even 12 of 14 with no, no picks, picks. that, com- that changes everything because now you can get back to controlling the clock and managing the game we'll see i mean it's yep. it's like i said the numbers and what they're doing it's gonna have some success because they've shown they have good running backs that can yep. do this they get some performances from wide receivers, like we saw Daniel Jackson. You need these outlier performances to help keep this offense moving. Just got to make sure it's a clean style of football because the more turnovers, the higher likelihood of losing a game to a team you shouldn't because you're playing such a low possession game. Great points. Uh, last point would be Darius Taylor, if we didn't already say it, was out of this game. So you got to give uh, uh, the uh, the Gophers credit for having yet another running back step And the conspiracies are already running wild there that it's yeah. four games. Is it really I, an injury? I don't Is it redshirting? I think we'll it. see him. I think we'll see him again this year. And I think it'll be impressive when him and Evans are both on the field at the same time. With the win, but every week that he goes without playing, I think those conspiracies will get bigger and bigger. I understand, and and they d- would deserve to get bigger if if there's an extended period. I think he'll be back in a couple of weeks. That's just my take. With the win, Minnesota moves to a roller coaster like three and two. The Eyes on Big Podcast, sponsored by the Amateur Whiskey Company, our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail. Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Speaking of barrel, I'm literally looking at my uh, eyes on big bourbon barrel. I don't know if you had if you had like a college house in college. Did you? And if you ever had a kegerator or in your oh, early twenties, I have never had one. I've been to many parties where there yeah. were kegerators. Well, it's dangerous to have a kegerator in your house when you're in college. It's dangerous to have a keg of Amador in your uh, man cave when you're most definitely older than college age too. Right. Oh, I can't only imagine. I overindulged and I didn't have a barrel of it. Well, you have a darn near barrel that got shipped to your house. Oh yeah. Next game up, moving into the afternoon. <laughs> Maryland, 44, Indiana, 17. The Terps with 472 yards of total offense to the Hoosiers, 321. I think Maryland was up 21 to three, something like that, six at halftime, uh, trying to get an extra play in to get another attempt at a field goal. His wide receiver does not go out of bounds with enough time on the clock. So I don't know if you saw the hilarious walking off the field for the first half in interview by Mike Loxley. Hey, Mike, can we get a smile? He gives the cheesiest, fakest smile. It's stuff like that that Lox does, man, that makes me well, like the, the, the thing that did it the best for me was after the smile, there was a hard eye, eye roll walking away like, Ooh. oh, God, you really asked me to do that? Oh, he he was not very happy. He was not happy. That receiver did not get out of bounds. Speaking of not happy, uh, Tom Allen's not happy, fired his offensive coordinator partly because of this. So two things true at once here. Um, Maryland was the better team. If these two teams play 10 times, Maryland probably wins nine of them. Um, it is two things at once. Okay. I'm doing a bad job of setting this up. Maryland was the better team and, and wins. Indiana doesn't, it does not seem to be a team to me that no long any longer believes in the leadership of Tom Mellon and the coaches. I, I, I think that the OC, Firing is a bit of a, you know, it's a last ditch effort. Yeah, stuff, stuff like that. So 
Shame on me. I I saw that as one of the scenarios for this game. I thought this was going to be a look-ahead situation for Maryland versus Ohio State. It was not. Maryland just absolutely ambushed the Hoosiers. Yeah, I think I, I mentioned, well, the, first of all, we started the podcast saying I've learned a lot about teams. What I've learned about Indiana is they are the bottom of the barrel right now. Yep. And I mentioned that the quit factor could be coming in with the Minnesota team if they lost that game. I'm pretty sure we have seen the quit factor in Bloomington. I think a lot of these guys, you just see plays where they're they're not fin- – especially on the defensive side, yep. they're not finishing plays. Tackles they would normally make, yes. no, they're half-assed efforts to get there. I'm pretty sure this Hoover, Hoosier team has given up, but I don't want to take any credit away from Maryland. Correct. This Maryland team came out from the jump. Like you said, this was a premium – trap game they could have come into this game looking at ohio state thinking that's the game we got to have we got to have that game to get the monkey off our back and then indiana could have socked him in the face they didn't let that happen they came out they established the lines of scrimmage yes leah was dealing this entire game receivers were making plays i think overall this effort no matter what locks tells you with his little interview there this you got to be impressed with what maryland did this week Leah Tug of Iola, 24 of 34, 354 yards, five touchdowns, zero picks, added a rushing touchdown as well. We talked on the last back, last podcast about how quick he gets around the corner and scores. He did it again. So certainly a Eisman candidate right there. Another one, Ty Felton, seven catches, 134 yards, three touchdowns. I believe the three touchdowns matches or exceeds his career touchdowns coming into this game. Locks talked about how the coaching staff already believes in Ty Felton. They believe Ty Felton needs to do a better job of believing in Ty Felton. That's one good way to get it going right there. Jay Sean Jones, six catches, 121 yards. Team rushing, another thing that Maryland fans and Locks wanted to get going. 23 carries, 120 yards. That's a 5.2 yard average. So maybe not the most attempts, but, um, and, and then to gush more about Maryland. Okay, we're not just doing this because we got picked on. It's what we're seeing. I really do think it's the Maryland defense that is setting up the offense more than what people see. Like, obviously, we got a big game next week. It is my confidence with this attacking Maryland defense that thinks they will have a shot against the, the big three, the B1G3 moving forward. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we always talk about turnovers and how some some people will sit here and say that turnovers are all luck, and, and I don't subscribe to that theory. There is some luck to turnovers. There's some luck to everything that happens in football. But what Maryland is doing to help create those turnovers is what's impressive because they are creating that chaos. They are creating that havoc. Every time there's a ball that is potential to be turned over, you see them raking at it, trying to force fumbles. You see the secondary getting great jumps and tips and batted balls. They just seem to be very opportunistic right now. And that's not luck. That's well-coached, well-disciplined players taking advantage of a situation. Iowa's done it for years. I mean, years they've been doing that. And everybody always says it's luck. But if you watch it, if you have – they always say the great players are in the right place at the right time. And these Maryland players are always in the right spot on defense to take advantage of those turnovers. Those batted balls and tip balls, they're in they're in every game. But the great teams make the play on them. The yep. great teams go take that turnover away. And that's what Maryland's defense is doing right they now. Are. They're and- creating chaos and they're 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 giving themselves that situation to be there and help their offense even more. And this offense has proven to be good enough. Yep. You give them those turnovers, and this yep. is why this team can be scary. And I just say it's team speed on defense. Yeah, oh yeah. They're, you know, that that is what has been it jumped off the screen to me. Not much to say about the Hoosiers. Taven Jackson, 17 of 29, 113 yards and a pick. Team rushing, 116 yards at a 3.1 yard average. Brendan Sorsby went in, looked a lot better, but, you know, that was late in the game when Maryland, you know, m- maybe wasn't exactly dialed in. Um, you hate to give the old, you know, joke, but there's a lot of Indiana fans that are looking ahead to the next, you know, to the winter sports at this point. We will see if they can pull it out. Going to be tough to see. With the win, Maryland moves to a very impressive 5-0. and Rank them, you cowards. will bitch about that at the end. With stay the tuned lo- for more on that one. Yeah, stay tuned for more on that. With the loss, Indiana drops to 2-3. and three. 
Next game up, Purdue 44, Illinois 19. Ryan Walters gets his first big win as a Big Ten coach. The Boilermakers with 406 yards of total offense to the Illini's 375. This was a close game all through the first half. In fact, I would even say there were times that I thought Illinois was on the cusp of kind of taking this game over, but boy, did they not. And then when there was plays to be made in the second half, they were being made by the Boilermakers offense. Do you, do you eyes on big listeners, do you hear that? There's a sound that I'm hearing right now. I think that's Jeffrey the Greek finally <laughs> jumping off the Illinois bandwagon. <laughs> yeah. He's been yeah. riding this wagon. Trying to try think a little bit too long. Yeah. I'm going to steal your line here. Me thinks yep. it's time to get off this Illinois it bandwagon. Is. I just don't think this team has it this year. The defense, you still see sparks. You still see Johnny Newton from here now and then, but there's just no consistency on the defense. There's no consistency on the offense. There just seems to be no rhythm and no flow. And credit to Purdue. You know, their offense, uh, the reason I took Purdue in this game is because I thought their offense was the best unit of yeah, the four main units right. in this game. And I think I was 100% right there. Nailed Purdue's it. offense eventually took over this game. Hudson Card had a good day, 18-26, 217 and two touchdowns. That's a good day. If you're yep. a Purdue fan, I think you take that every single time from him. Another thing you'll take is what you're getting out of Deion Burks. Five uh, catches, 83 yards. Um and then Tyrone Tracy Jr., 21 carries, 112 yards, 5.3-yard average. Team rushing, 45 carries, 189 yards. This was against an Illinois defense that we thought was going to be something. Well, it's something. It's something that doesn't resemble what it was last year. Um, your kind of theme that you've been harping on uh, correctly is 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 uh, turnovers. Luke Altmeyer, only one turnover in the game, but it's an absolutely crucial uh, uh, turnover where he fumbled near their own goal line. Purdue picked it up and scored a touchdown. That was a huge moment in this game. Uh, decent outside of that. He had a couple, you know, keepers that he ran the ball. Uh, uh, Illinois, so my, what I thought what I was going to see in this game, I'm not, I swear I'm not trying to like, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> trying to explain. He's trying to jump back no, out no, I can hear it. <laughs> um, 34 carries, 149 yards, 4.4 yard average. A good chunk of that happened in the first two, two maybe two and a half quarters of the game when Illinois was still in this game. Like, I thought they'd be able to run the ball in Purdue, but once things started getting away, that's that's the issue. You know, Illinois just doesn't have an answer, whereas Purdue can. You know, they can manufacture yards and points with Hudson Card and some of the options they have. Um, Purdue had an extra day of rest. They, they, they you know, if these teams played 10 times, my guess is Purdue would win six Maybe six point five of those say games, six or seven. Yeah. Okay. All right. So somewhere in there, it just so happened to be this was the one that Purdue not only won but absolutely pulled away. All the credit to Purdue. Another thing to point out that that our guy BTB pointed out to us is Ryan Walters did confirm after the game that he called, he coordinated the defense in this game. They had a switch in coordinators who were up in the booth or not. Typically. When fans start saying that stuff, I feel like that's probably grasping at straws as well. I, I'm not so sure though. This didn't make a difference for Purdue. This this was a this was a cleaner, better looking Purdue team. Yeah, this was a much more. I think the word I'm looking for is organized. Like yes. the defense, it just Perfect. felt more cohesive. Perfect. It felt more together. Yes. I mean, the, the defense is still not great for Purdue. It's not, but it, we didn't see the busts that we have seen in other games where it was just like oh boy wow that was bad moments it was just it just seemed to flow a whole lot better and to me that can be coaching that can yes. be somebody that's called defenses their entire life yep and just knows what they're doing and is more Kills comfortable it doing it yep yep basically produced cinched it up they cinched oh, it up this way. There. There you go. Tie it back. um and as far as what we learned I think you already said at the beginning. I think we have finally learned with Illinois they just they just ain't got it this year. I don't know what Not it is. I, I, I'm not into the, you know, shitting all over Brett Bulma stuff. You know, people are like, he walked into a great spot at Wisconsin. He sucked at Arkansas. I, I like the guy's a good coach. Okay, he had too much sustained success at Wisconsin to not give him some credit for the success. Okay, 
I don't Nobody's, think Illinois sliding back down to be the laughing stock of the think, West or the Big Ten for the next few years. It, 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 teams have these years. When you're in a happens. team like Illinois and you lose players on deep loss, it's hard to bounce back from that because you don't recruit at the level to right. maintain that talent year after year after year. It's going to take him some time to get enough bodies in there and older experienced bodies around his program to be able to do that year after year. Those things take time. And I time. know today's society, we all about, it's the Amazon prime world. I want everything <laughs> now, now, now. Yeah. God, I'm sick of seeing that guy show up at my house, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, a lot of people say he, he's winning with Lovey's players. Oh my God. So now oh, we're giving Lovey credit. Did he not make Lovey's players look infinitely better the second he was on campus? Yeah. So like, it's an O-line issue. The secondary does show up missing guys at time. It's what it is. But in the end, Purdue is the one who gets the win. They move to two and three. Illinois loses, which drops them to two and three. Moving quickly here, Rutgers 52, Wagner three, the Scarlet Knights with 437 yards of offense. That's pretty impressive. Even more impressive to the Seahawks, 106 Total yards, that's incredible. Like, the ass-beating that we thought we would see is exactly what we got for Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, nothing I, nothing to take away really from this game except for the fact that Rutgers did what, what you expect a team that we've seen them look like thus far do. Yep. I mean, they've continued to stay on the course of what I think they are, and I think at some point this season they're going to get somebody they're not supposed to and maybe yep. multiple somebodies. This, oh, yeah. this team is good. This team is plucky. Yes. They can run the ball. Wimsett's getting more and more comfortable. This Rutgers team is going to get somebody, and it's going to shock people. Oh, absolutely. And they are going to get somebody by winning the turnover battle continuously. That is what – that should be your thing. You should have pointed that out. Um, Gavin Wimsett, 12 of 19, 146 yards, a touchdown, no picks, added two rushing touchdowns. Watch the highlight. Uh, of the rushing touchdowns, I swear it looks like they replayed this the the same play twice. It's if you watch the final, it, it is it is shocking how similar they look. Uh, JK uh, Jackson four catches one hundred set four catches seventy one yards. Christian Dremel four catches thirty eight yards and a touchdown. The fun guy Calvin Ungai was back at it nineteen carries eighty seven yards and a touchdown. Team rushing two hundred and sixty eight yards on 52 carries, whereas Wagner, that's a 5.2-yard average. Wagner had 23 yards passing their team rushing, 29 carries, 83 yards. That's a 2.9-yard average. With all those impressive stats against a horrible team, Rutgers moves to 4-1, and one, but things get interesting at yeah, Wisconsin, I was Michigan State, say. at Indiana. I cannot wait to see the Rutgers Scarlet Knights over these next three games. Badger <laughs> fans, be ready oh, yeah. next weekend. That's going to be yep. a fun game. Absolutely. Moving into our only evening game, Iowa 26, Michigan State 16. The Hawks with 222 yards of total offense to the Spartans 349 per Dave Resnan with the Big Ten Network. Iowa has beat an opponent again by having 250 yards or less. The 15th time they've done that since the year 2000. The next closest team program doing that has 10 times that they have done that. My joke in my head is it's kind of like your dog eating an entire wheel of cheese and pooping in the fridge. It is both impressive and not such an ideal situation all at the same time. Go ahead, dig in. What what did you see for watching this game? For Michigan State fans, this is the ultimate Iowaing. Oh, I mean, this game... It, it, this, you, I mean, you perfectly said it, right? This is exactly how Iowa wins football games. 70-yard punt, punt return for a touchdown. Interceptions, turnovers. I mean, this is this was an yeah. Iowa at Kinnick at night. It's exactly what every single one of them looks like. It's dirty. It's messy. And then all of a sudden, all the excitement happens because you make a mistake, and Iowa's defense takes advantage of it. I mean, we've seen this story over so and many over times. and over again. Right. But, it's, but, but it's luck, remember. It's right, only right. luck. Yep. There's nothing else that happens with it. Now, Our, having uh, said that, we still – the Iowa offense, it's yeah. it's still. I mean, it is what it is at this point. I don't. We're not going to see it get any better. Cade McNamara gets hurt in the game. I mean, Deacon Hill came in and looked okay at times. I mean, we had a big boy quarterback, so I I can respect it. <laughs> but I think at this point, we know what Iowa's offense is. It's going to be what it's going to be. They're going to continue to lean on this defense and their special teams. And 
they've done it for so many years. Why couldn't they compete in the Big Ten West and find a way to pull this off like they have in years past? I mean, yeah. at this point, who are we to doubt it? Yeah, Cade McNamara comes in three for five, 46 yards. They go right down the field. There was there was obviously a a game plan to get the ball to the outside to the wide receivers. It was working. Mm-hmm. Next time they have, but but another huge drop by Eric All kills the drive, kick the field goal. Field position game ensues. Iowa's got to come out of their own goal line. That's when uh, McNamara is, is running the ball. Uh, because he can't take the sack because of his safety. Maybe he just drops if it's at the 20-yard line. You know, that's how things go. Um, knee, quad, it looked like a quad to me. It looked like he blew his quad out again. I'm just I'm He couldn't straighten his leg at no. all. Like, his leg was completely straight yeah. when he was coming off the field. Yep. So, um, I, I just I don't expect to see Cade McNamara again this year. Um, Deacon Hill, so the stats, 11 for 27, 115 yards, a touchdown to pick. Seven drops in this game that's and so then Iowa fans are like oh that's why we haven't gone to our wide receivers because they don't catch the ball that is I'm not throwing that out that that very well could be the case Deontay there is a small caveat to this though and I think that's where you're getting to okay well uh you make you make what I what I think the caveat's going to be because then it's coming from you and not from me the Iowa fan go for it so yeah seven drops but how many of those were absolute howitzers okay five yards away that he needs to learn a little bit of touch. touch. With. You don't have to throw everything. This was Joe Milton's problem when he, he was in the Big Ten was everything came out of his arm at 110 miles an hour. Okay. His passes were accurate. They, they were on were. the money, but there were a few of them where the receivers got their hands up and the ball was hitting them in the face because it was thrown so hard when back off at 80% of the throw is still sufficient and gets it there. So that, that right. was where I thought you were going with it. And – I'm going to basically have the same point except say this. The ball comes out differently from different quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. So when you're a receiver getting most of the balls, you, all of a sudden you're in a game when the guy with a howitzer is extra howitzer because he's got juice behind him. I'm just saying maybe, maybe give it a week or two and see if the wide receivers and pass catchers in general can adjust to it. It, it can make a difference. Also, to make a difference, we'll move on to you very quick, Sparty fan. But like, uh, the, I was not going to be able to run the ball unless the defenses start to respect somewhat the passing attack. I know it's crazy. Now I'm going back to what I said a couple weeks ago. But now with Deacon Hill as your quarterback, you you just have to let it cook with him and have him throw the ball because we're not going to be able to run the ball with got people not respect it. You have got to have success down the field. Otherwise this offense is going to go nowhere. By the way, this offense probably is not going to go nowhere anywhere because of our coordinator. So I'm not expecting it, but to have snippets of success, they're going to have to just open things up and throw the ball, whether they like it or not. Yeah, I totally agree. Moving into Michigan state, they got something there on offense and his name's Nathan Carter. Yes. That dude is a stud. I think at this point, with what you've seen from Sparty, they just need to ride him for as long as they can the rest of this year. I mean, Noah Kim gives you a little bit here and there, but I mean, still this game, 25 of 44, 193 and the three picks, three picks. against an Iowa team. Can't you're not gonna you're not gonna win a game against Iowa throwing three picks. You're gonna do it. So and then Michigan a game, State going forward, I think they've really got to lean on Nathan Carter. And then a game ending fumble. So four turnovers in this game. I don't have the full Turnover stats in front of me, but they have been just egregious off the off the charts. There, I tried warning, you know, Iowa fans. By the way, we both hit our Amador lock of the week. So our Amador, our our agreed upon lock of the week is now one and one. Uh, mine's three and two on the year. Um, but we tried to warn Iowa fans that there was talent. You saw it with Carter. By the way, Malik Carr. Should have made. Should have mentioned him more in the last podcast. He was great until he went out of the game with an injury. There is talent here. We will see how this works out. Uh, that could have essentially been a seven and five Iowa team playing poorly against a four and eight Michigan State team. You know that that could have been what we watched on Saturday night. You you both Iowa and Michigan State fans have to at least entertain that idea but when it's working there are things that can scare people with michigan state i I don't know how else to say it but when it's not working i mean it 
Michigan State is the aw- the ultimate fe- feast and famine type of game uh, team. Yeah, the real question now becomes: Is this Mel, Tuck- Mel Tucker stuff just too much? I mean, and our player again, the quit factor. Yeah, are they going to start giving up, or are you going to see players start shutting it down? I mean, they have a thirty day window to transfer. I'm wondering if we're going to start seeing some names pop up. There's already some names on the uh, the old injury report that right. were a little uh, head scratchy, and you're like, hmm, wonder. Yep. Yep. So I wonder if some of that's going to start popping up for Sparty. And then I mean, that's just part of it when a coach gets fired in the middle of the season. It's tough. It's not a whole lot that they can do about it. It's the situation you're put into. The only thing that you can hope for as a Michigan State fan that is if some of these guys shut it down because they are looking to the future that hopefully your young guys can get in and get some game reps and some experience to start building towards the next season if that's what happens. But there's games in front of this Michigan State team, and if they can clean up the turnovers, there's absolutely no reason they can't win a few more games here and try to make a little push in this season. With the win, Iowa moves to a quote-unquote sky is falling 4-1. and I say that because, you know, I predicted Iowa to be – Five and one going into the Wisconsin game. I'm not writing Purdue up as a win by any stretch. I'm just saying that still could could happen. It's you very know, much know. on the table. Yeah, with the loss, Sparty drops to two and three. And that brings us to our Big Ten game of the week, as voted on by the fans. I would like to point out, uh, uh, Jordan and I didn't technically pick this. <laughs> Michigan, forty five. Nebraska seven, the Wolverines with 436 yards of total offense to the Huskers 305. Uh, This was a 28 to nothing game at halftime uh, that was thoroughly dominated by Michigan on both sides of the ball. I'll throw it out there. uh, So Jordan, the Michigan fan doesn't have to. Uh, we are nominating both the O-line and D-line for Michigan uh, for Eisman of the Week. We're just going to rotate them all together because um, this was a Nebraska rushing attack uh, that was good, a Nebraska rushing defense that was excellent. They went up in a weight class, uh, and it was even more ugly than I thought it potentially could be. Jordan? Yeah, I think... Then I don't think the numbers do it the justice no. truly of what it was because the the Brian credit to a Fox broadcaster I don't usually do this but they kept bringing up when they kept talking about the trenches they kept talking about watching in the trenches and how Michigan's defensive linemen were always still squared they were always squared to the line of scrimmage Nebraska couldn't get any push on them and anybody that knows offensive line play the key to getting separation is you got to be able to turn yes. the defender. And Michigan's first string, second string, they Nebraska wasn't able to do it. And then conversely, you flip it over to the other side, and Michigan's offensive lineman, Zach Zinner, had a few blocks in this yep. game Moving that people. were like, oh, you feel bad for the guy that like, he ran over a linebacker pulling down a stretch at the goal line one time that I feel bad for that kid because he got mauled. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes it looked like an arrow through snow. Did you, did you see that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Jim, yeah. Jim Harbaugh said he yeah. I can't remember it's a, who's your one running back that had the 20 yard run in the game uh, uh Kalo Mullins yeah yeah he said he looked like an arrow through snow I don't just I another don't good what, old Jimmy Quip I don't, I don't know what that means um uh JJ McCarthy okay uh 12 of 16 for 156 yards two touchdowns okay there gets to be a point where I don't know what people I, I don't know what he can he can do because they're up on people so much. He's got to get pulled from the game. They're not throwing the ball as much as they as some teams do because they don't need to because their defense and offense is 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 crushing people so much. So like and, and another thing I would point out that touchdown he had at the end of the first half for the, to to get him to 28, getting away from the pressure that he did turning around the corner, resetting his feet and throwing the ball at the back of the end zone. Extremely impressive football play from JJ McCarthy. Dude, that, that was sick. I'm saying some of this stuff. So you don't have to, I just don't yeah, like, I mean, even I've questioned JJ McCarthy at times. Um, by the way, Bowling Green, they look a little bit better now. They just, they pull hey, UNLV's um, four and one. It's man, um, Mandy. Just saying, maybe this non conference schedule wasn't as shitty I, as everybody thought. It's you have to at least bring it into the realm of possibilities. We'll get into that with power rankings a little bit. Um, Roman Wilson, efficient four catches, two of them are touchdowns. 
Blake Corum, 17 carries, 74 yards, and a touchdown. Blake Corum's nine rushing touchdowns, the most in college football. Roman Wilson's eight receiving touchdowns, also the most in college football. I mean, Jordan, I'm saying stuff so you don't have to. I put my power rankings out, and somebody said, I don't know what Michigan is. Not an Ohio State fan, by the way. And I said, what? I know what they are. They are an extremely good defense with an extremely efficient and well-balanced offense. That's that's what Michigan is. I, I don't know. I, I'm Again, I'm, for the third time, I'm saying it so you don't have to. This is Michigan is showing us exactly who they are. Yeah, I think, well, and we can say all the things we want to say about the offense. It has been very balanced. We saw Donovan Edwards start to look a little bit more like himself, still not quite the explosions that we've seen, but it looked like there was a little bit more hard running. And I think that comes with more carries. You know, he's getting more touches, so that that helps. But to me, it starts and ends with this defense. This defense is so nasty. I mean, it's not just the front seven. That secondary, while there are lapses at times where, you, you know, we saw the big the play, big play out of the half to, to uh, Washington for yep. Nebraska, this defense is just opportunistic. I mean, we had a big guy interception, which I love it. Kenny Grant gets interception on a tip ball. They're just very opportunistic. They're very deep. I mean, we saw third stringers see a whole bit. They're, they're deep. So, yep. I'm a Michigan fan, so I, everything is through a little bit of a maze and blue tinted lens, but I don't see a defense in America that's better than this defense right now. I ain't no Michigan fan, and I'm seeing the same things you are. Uh, team rushing by the Huskers. The Huskers, we want to talk about it. They're, they're, there's not much to talk about, okay? So the team rushing for the Huskers, I got to do this, okay? 21 carries, 106 yards. That's a 5.0 yard average. However, Josh Fleeks keeps the However, shutout. Keeps the shutout off the board, that is easily the highlight of the game for Nebraska. One carry, 74 yards. If you take that play out, Nebraska had 20 carries for 32 yards. That's a 1.1 yard average. That was the rushing attack that we saw for most of the game. I wa- I do want to give a shout out, though, to Heinrich Harburg. 14 to 25, 199 yards. Th- did have the pick that kind of got. There was a bunch of balls that were tipped at the line of scrimmage. I'm not saying Heinrich Harburg is like the greatest quarterback that Nebraska necessarily wants to see moving forward. He battled his ass off though, so I feel and like he still made some plays, like getting out of pressure, especially when you consider how you know his offensive line was just getting eaten up. So like I felt like he did a pretty darn good job limiting mistakes and moving the ball. A little bit. I don't know. I don't know if that makes me crazy. The biggest thing that my biggest problem with Harburg is he's six foot five and he throws from like a low three quarter yes. arm angle. Okay. So that's why everything's getting batted at the line. Now he's a young guy. That's a mechanics thing that can be corrected. That can be coached out of him. Having said that, he threw some very good passes. Yep. He put yep. some balls on the money. There were some drops, but we saw some good throws to Thomas Fedoni, who is a good weapon. There are. There is some weapons for this Nebraska offense that they can take advantage of. Again, they need to cinch it back up a little yeah. bit. It's just, it's just you that. weren't going to run the ball on this Michigan defense. And I yeah. think Matt Rule knew that. That's why Harburg threw it 25 times because they came out throwing it a little earlier than even what I expected. Yeah. I thought maybe they'd be a little stubborn with the run, but I think they knew they weren't going to come in and just run it down Michigan's throat. I think they have something here with Harburg. I saw some people clamoring, oh, we got to bring Jeff Sims back because he's just a better passer. I'm like, but don't buy it. Is that yeah. worth the risk of all the turnovers? Like, I, I, and think I don't the know if Jeff Sims is brings. that much better of a thrower either. So I'm is not it, saying that's the thing. Is it, is it that much better? Is it, I, I mean, really that much. Is it that big? He's got, he definitely has a better throwing motion. It's a better looking ball coming out of his hand. So I definitely agree with that but i have to take everything into consideration and as far as where the ball lands sometimes 100 percent, so, yeah uh, i think case, you ride harburg I, I, would, mind. I would too that's not to say you can't ever go back to sins but i'm with you there too um but yeah that's about it i mean uh i expected michigan to handily win this game not to this degree but anyways that's what we got i still think nebraska fully has a shot to be in this big 10 west picture yes. going down the stretch because yes. this big 10 west very, very convoluted right now amongst those top three, four teams. There's no reason they can't insert themselves in this picture going down the stretch. And I'll tell you why. Because if they can run the ball, they can move the ball, and they can put points on the board, 
there's not a ton of defenses in the Big Ten West that can stop the run with consistency. So because right. of that, I think Nebraska will be able to run the ball and score some points. And Their I, next three games are extremely winnable, and they're yes. all in West games. You win those three games, and we're talking about an entirely different season for the Huskers. Yep, or even just 2-1 and one in those games. Sure. With the win, Michigan moves to a dominant 5-0. and oh. It's from Dave Resnan the Big Ten Network again. Uh, Michigan has held their first five. I meant to say this earlier. Michigan has held their first five opponents to seven points or less for the first time since 1941. Nebraska drops this game and falls to two and three, their 23rd straight loss to ranked opponents. All right, moving on. Let's go ahead and go for the weekly Eisman. Take it away, Jordan. Yeah, we had some pretty good candidates this week. A couple of them we mentioned. Daniel Jackson, five catches, 89 yards, two touchdowns. Good to see there. The Maryland the Maryland guys, uh, Ty Felton was the big standout for wide receiver. Seven catches, 135, three touchdowns. I didn't nominate him, but my co-host here did. The Michigan Lions, I mean, I do think it's merited and earned. I mean, those offensive and defensive lines did control that game, so the Michigan trenches – but in the end, we went for co-Eisman again this week, and it's kind of an offensive and a defensive Eisman. The first, we'll go the defensive slash special teams side of it. Cooper DeGene, the 70-yard punt return for a touchdown, six tackles, the big interception. The dude just, again, week after week after week, finds a way to be, and like I said earlier, the, the great players are in the right spot at the right time. This is why he's a great player. He's always making these plays. It's not a fluke that he's doing. And it's and it's like that setting up that punt return, whether you were watching it at home or at the stadium, I've talked to a lot of people that were there, there was an excitement build up like, okay, let's get a nice return to get us into field goal range, you know, and he takes it to the house. It was right. just, it was just incredible. Yeah. And then the offensive Eisman of this week has got to be Leah Tungo Iola. I mean, 24, 34, 352 yards. That's great. But six touchdowns. Yeah. Anytime you put six touchdowns on the board, you're a hundred percent an Eisman candidate. And this week, Leah gets the offensive Eisman of the week as we're going to go co-Eisman. So Cooper DeGene, Leah Tungavailoa are Eisman of week five. And the thing is, I can pretty much guarantee you that they're both going to get, you know, the the players of the week from the Big Ten conference as well. Yep. So I think 100%. we did the right thing there. All right, moving on to my power rankings. Uh, first three up have not Before changed. you get into these power rankings, oh, I got to oh, yeah, say, yeah. I didn't do my power rankings, but in my head I was running through it. I'm thinking, okay, what are the power rankings going to look like this week? What you're about to say, I 100% agree top with top okay. to bottom. Good. I good. think this is spot on where it is right now. Okay, uh, appreciate that. All right, first three. All right, and I'm going to pause after these first three. They have not changed. I have had them since preseason till now. Michigan one, Penn State two, Ohio State three. Pause. Okay, heard from a couple Ohio State fans. All right, do you want to have Ohio State one or two? I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't put a gigantic fight up against it. Why? Ohio State has the best win of those three teams. I don't think you can deny that, okay? Nope. The other thing I would point out, okay, because there's always two sides to every coin. Ohio State could have very easily lost that game to Notre Dame. Okay. It's like that we came right down to the wire. Notre Dame didn't exactly look great, but they beat a pretty good Duke team. So just saying Penn State at two in front of Ohio State, that West Virginia win just keeps looking better and better every week. And they're killing everybody. Don't know if you can pick apart Penn State too much. Michigan, we kind of expanded upon them, breaking down the Michigan game. Offense looks great, efficient. Defense looks destructive. Let it play out. Angry, you know, it's mostly Buckeye fans. Penn State fans are seem to be fine with being ranked second or third. They kind of are like, this is where we need to be. We got to beat those two teams. That's that's my thoughts there. I don't know if you have anything to add for those top three teams. Right no, there. I mean, like you said, you can make a case for all three of them, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Because they're going to play. We're yep. going to find out who it is. I mean, yep. next here, all by themselves, number four, Maryland, right? They're the only other five and O team. Um, they have also looked dominant, but there does have to be some history baked into these rankings. And until we see Maryland get up on one of those top three teams up there, I, I I'm trying to give them a show of respect by having them in their own tier, but Maryland's got to be fourth. Correct. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And I think they're the, I mean, Hey, we've gotten a lot of criticism from Maryland fans, but that's one thing I was thinking like Maryland's got to be in their own tier right now. Not only are they five and zero, but I think they've been the fourth most impressive in yep. what they've done. Next it's going to tell us everything we need to know. Correct. I mean, Ohio Correct. state gets a big test with Maryland coming in. And if Maryland, they want to take down one of these big three, you can't tell me this one wouldn't really rank up there with those Terrapin fans. So I'm interested. That's going to be a fun one next week. Next tier down, third tier, just two teams. Number five, Wisconsin. Number six, Rutgers. Uh, you could, you honestly, you could flip flop those two to me. I would say Wisconsin does deserve to be fifth. Why? Because they have a a better looking loss. They were in that Washington State game, and Washington State is pretty darn good. A couple better looking wins, I would say, than Rutgers has. Uh, but but five and six. That's exactly where those teams are. I, I mean, and they play coincidentally coming up here, so we will definitely get a shuffling between. We'll find those out two. who's who it is next here, all by itself at number seven, Iowa. So Wisconsin, Rutgers, and Iowa all four and one. I put Iowa quote unquote down a tier because it hasn't looked great, and that's what I think mm-hmm. Iowa deserves. So we probably I think much I think end. Wisconsin and Rutgers at five and six have been. I mean, to me, Rutgers has been impressive. Wisconsin has been good, and we've seen impressive stuff. Like you said, Iowa's been kind of yeah. eh, up and down, but it's still the record is what it is. So one through seven, not one change in those rankings that I had the last uh, or the previous week. Now we go to the bottom half. This is the next tier down. Eight, Minnesota. Nine, Purdue. Ten, Michigan State. Eleven, Nebraska. Twelve, Northwestern. Minnesota moving all the way up five spots. I, I can't help but think to myself, Minnesota is a fluky fourth quarter away from being a four and one team and probably being right up in the next tier with Iowa. Can't take that loss away. Okay. I know I'm right. talking to two sides of my mouth, but like it factors into my head. I don't know if that makes me wishy washy for bringing it up, but this team should be four and one is, is what I'm trying to say. No, I don't know. I, th- I think of these five teams, they're the most well balanced. Of okay. those five teams, okay. they have a solid to above average rushing attack and a good but not great defense. The other four teams below them, I think you can pick a hole for all four of them for something. Uh, Purdue at nine, moving up the spots too. I heard from a Purdue fan thinking they should be ranked above Minnesota. Purdue, you're two and three. Yeah, Minnesota's three and two. I'm, I, you know, like I'm not saying that like Minnesota is is. Leaps and bounds better than you. Okay, I'm definitely not saying that, but at some point the record's got to matter. Michigan State's got issues. Nebraska probably is the team that I would pick out of these that has the best chance to move up. But I agree. When you're two and three, and especially when you get beat, when you're down 45 to nothing at home, even to Michigan, you you need to tumble in the rankings. That's that's just how it works. Northwestern, though, give them credit, right? They're they're hanging in there. And then the bottom two, 13 Illinois, 14 Indiana. They don't look good, and that's where you go when you are not only not winning games, but you seem to be looking worse as the season progresses. Yep. I Can we say that you're officially off the Illinois bandwagon? Is that official? I have jumped off. They, I have smacked the horse in the butt. They took off down the trail. Only two weeks, two to three weeks too late, but yep, hey, yep. better late I'm, than never, right? I'm stubborn. I'm stubborn. Uh, speaking of things that are stubborn and stupid uh, – the AP ah. rank, <laughs> the AP rankings. Um, the two biggest things, the, my two biggest gripes, and they go right next to each other. Maryland not being ranked. In fact, I could put an argument up for Rutgers too, but Maryland is the one that you want to be the most upset about because they're five and zero. Oh. And then adding to that, freaking LSU at three and two is ranked twenty third. I believe, or 24th. It's 23rd or 24th, I guess. I don't have 23rd, 23rd, 23rd. 23rd. That's a clown take, bro. That's re- They just gave up 700 yards of offense, and they got their doors blown out versus Florida State, too. It's not like the other loss. R- ridiculous. That is, this is where the SEC bias stuff comes in. Stupid. Well, what's their best win? They A, a three-point win at home versus Arkansas? That's, that's the Win that's keeping them in, I yeah, and hundred percent agree. And I even you should saw, not. They're the only two loss team ranked. But this goes. This is this is all we see this every year. The SEC always has the highest ranked undefeated, the highest ranked one loss, yes. the highest ranked two loss team. 
every single year. It's the bias. I don't give a shit what you say. It's real. It's out there. But if you listen to all the talking heads out there, they all say this is a down SEC. This is a right. down SEC. It's not a great year for it. Then why are they still getting no this ranking that they get? It's the bias and it's the mindset that these people and it's ridiculous. Especially you mentioned Rutgers potentially being ranked. They didn't even receive a single vote. That's ridiculous. And and and, and it's obvious people are not watching one second of Rutgers football. I understand that. There is less excuses for Maryland, though. I mean, Maryland is five and oh, they have been and, and there was a uh a Maryland fan, uh I think it was guy my guy shoot, forgot, um, uh that talked about how maybe Maryland Mazda Sabori. He said uh, uh, that their one of their issues is that they're beating their their teams too much, the other their opponents too much, making their opponents look bad. And I think there's some truth in that. But like, no, I will. I mean, I will say Maryland is the others receiving vote. They were twenty six. Six. They're right so there. They're the still, next you're not team ranked. in. You're not but, ranked. But but still, I mean, a one loss Tennessee team who who have they beaten? Right. Florida was freaking ranked going into this weekend. They were three and one going into this weekend, got depants by Kentucky and Kentucky's probably a little bit better than maybe people think, but like people don't think Kentucky is some sort of world beater. What was Florida doing? Right. That score to me proved that Florida shouldn't have been ranked. Maryland should be, should be up there. And here's the crazy thing I would point out. Let's say Maryland gets beat by Ohio, Ohio state 23 to 21. Do they wind up being ranked the next week because they would get more respect out of a loss like that? I'm just throwing it out there like, I don't know. But something like that, it's it's ridiculous to me. Well, I mean, like you said, unranked Kentucky beats 22nd ranked Florida, who now has no good wins either besides this overrated Tennessee team, and Kentucky's up to 20th. Of course. So it's shoot all the way up. It, it's ridiculous. now. I will yeah. say I hate the AP poll. To me, it's it's just a joke. It, it doesn't mean that they over they release the picks every week. And when yep. you look at like some of these guys and what they pick, it's like I understand why these look the way they do. And it's a joke. It doesn't matter. I understand, but, it, but the, it's what we go off of when we right. say how many ranked wins or whatever you know. And and Ohio State's kind of getting screwed here a little bit. They would have a chance to play a ranked team. Right. This weekend, they've had that stripped away, which is kind of not great for the Big Ten in general. So these, I understand you you saying the AP is stupid and stuff like that. I get it, but it, it does matter. Like people say it doesn't matter. No, it kind of does matter because you're taking away a ranked possible win from other teams in the Big Ten. So it, it rightfully annoys people like me. One more data point to prove the AC, the AP is an absolute joke. Colorado still got one vote to be ranked and, I, and a nice comeback uh uh which killed my bet in that game so you know good for them and everything like that but that was pretty much the game i thought it would be which was usc just running all over colorado's defense uh the blooms off the rose a little bit with that um uh what yep. was the other thing i was gonna add um i don't know it's um what i was gonna say is if you look like some of the college football specific accounts on twitter right i mean there's a thousand of them if you look at those people ranking teams, almost all of them have Maryland ranked and LSU not ranked. And I'll be oh, honest yeah. with you, I guarantee you a lot of those teams, I would even give a shout out to Big Game Boomer, okay? I guarantee you Big Game Boomer watches more college football than almost every single one of those AP voters that never gets out of watching teams in their own region. I, I guarantee you. Oh, 100%. 100%. You're, you're right. All right. Then the last the last one, I'll... I'll, I'll uh, our guy Big Kurt in our in our uh, closed you know Big Ten uh, 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 DM group was just lacing into uh, the Peacock Network where the Illinois Purdue game was on. I flirted around, just asked him if he wants to jump on and just complain about Peacock. I'm I'm nervous that it would wind up being longer than the podcast we just recorded if I had Kurt on. <laughs> but I tell you what, I had to go through my own stuff because I wanted that game on my second TV so that on my big TV, I could toggle back between two games. I had to go for, and this is what annoys me. Even though it goes through my cable provider, it might, the password was saved on my big TV, not on my second TV. 
So I had to go through and reset the password and go through everything just to get it on my second TV because you can't toggle with Peacock. You're just, yeah, that's, that's, that's the, the biggest hindrance for that. Damn it. And, and it's like, when all this stuff went down, that's what drives me the, the most nuts. It's it's not even so much the paywall. It's that I can't toggle. Anyways, hopefully. I mean, it was down to Kurt getting getting into to the uh, DMs of, of Peacock on yeah, Twitter. And sent, like, tech support or whatever. Like, oh, yeah. And they hey, told this him, isn't working, but maybe you can watch the Champions League. Like, that's oh, what they told him. Oh, my God. I can't believe Kurt just didn't get in his, in his vehicle and just go to their home office and torch him. Yeah. Right there. Yikes. Okay. Anyways. All right, man. Uh, that's about all I got. Anything else you want to add to this? No, uh, I don't think so. Like I said at the beginning of the pod, I think we've learned a lot about the wow. conference. I think it's really, really starting to take shape. And now the season gets to the back half-ish. We're not quite halfway yep. yet. We're not, I'm not wishing the season. But we get to that back half-ish way of the season. Now we got some real barn burner games yep. coming around the corner starting next week. Ohio State, Maryland. That's a oh, big one in the East. Dude. That's going to really shape the way things start to shape up in that division. So, I'm Rutgers, Wisconsin, Iowa, yep. Purdue. There is some, you know, it's time to Fisher Cup bait type of stuff that's going down. Only two non conference games left uh, for the Big Ten. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Gordon. And don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We will talk to you soon.